0: Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Daily. I'm Rob Byrne and I'm Ollie Gieu. This is the only place for candidate interviews and daily campaign updates on Guernsey's 2020 election. We're aiming to be
1: bolder than
0: our chief minister, as attention-grabbing as a Carl Mirveld hat
1: and as colorful as John Gollop's internet history.
0: <laughs> Not only are we interviewing candidates, but we're also bringing you a series of election-based features in each episode. Coming up, you'll hear from academic Dr Chris
1: Pitch, who for the past four years has been looking into how Guernsey politicians market themselves.
2: What we're seeing now, it's really interesting because you've got like a tale of two halves. You've got the new parties that are much more focused and provide more detail about what voters can expect on one hand. But then you've also got the traditional independent candidates who can't be as detailed.
0: More from Dr. Pitch later, and from Guernsey's version of Banksy, the anonymous, politically-minded DJ, Donkey Edits.
3: I don't single people out, in theory anyway. I'm sure some candidates will do their best to stand out for all the wrong reasons, as, as always, though.
1: Over the course of the show, the pod will investigate what's going on under the surface of this election. Rob, what are we talking about today?
0: Yeah, so one of the first things we've been looking into is how one of the election candidates was also involved in the promotional campaign for the vote. Hashtag count me in, you've probably seen it. Now, you might have seen his face on the back of a bus, on the official website, or on election social media posts. More recently, he appeared along with five others on confirmation slips posted to Holmes on the electoral roll. Now, this obviously raises questions about whether he's effectively getting a free form of promotion. But it's worth remembering it didn't include his name and the material was put out before his nomination was announced.
1: So the candidate in question is Andrew Taylor. He'll be familiar to some of you for running a town coffee shop. We wanted to find out exactly what he was asked by the election team when he got involved in the campaign and what he told them.
0: So he responded uh, first to my question on Instagram saying he didn't recall the state asking him if he was planning on standing and he wasn't considering becoming a deputy at that time anyway. Uh, I asked him a number of follow-up questions, like how he was selected and when. I also asked whether he thought his involvement could now be perceived as giving him an advantage. At the time of recording this, I haven't got a reply. The initial Instagram post announcing his election campaign that featured his face and the hashtag uh, count me in material was also deleted, Uh, Obviously, Andrew, if you are listening, you're welcome to come back to me on those questions.
1: Yeah, so that's his side of things. What are the states saying? Because clearly they have a responsibility in all of this.
0: Well, they've basically been clearing up after themselves. After my questions over the weekend, they confirmed on Monday afternoon that they'd removed an image of Andrew from the back of a bus uh, when staff first saw him at an earlier event for potential candidates They say they took down his image from all their digital promotional material, uh, so the website and social media. Um, The state's press person also told me all the people who were in the campaign signed a release form confirming that to the best of their knowledge, their involvement wouldn't damage the campaign.
1: But is that the same as asking them if they plan to stand for election? There could be some ambiguity there.
0: Right. So I asked for the wording of the release form, which is a bit long, sorry. Uh, It says, quote, I confirm that to my best knowledge and belief, there is no reason why I should not appear in this commercial or anything that may discredit or damage the reputation of the product slash service or advertiser by my participation. That's a horrible sentence. So,
1: so, um, Planning on standing for election, obviously a reason for not appearing in the campaign, but people could have honestly not intended to and then later changed their mind. Could the states have stopped this from happening?
0: Well, to be fair, they are reliant on the honesty of those taking part so that if they are thinking of standing, declaring it and not participating. Now, we're not suggesting. Andrew's done anything wrong here. He says he decided to stand for election at a later date and we've seen no evidence that he was thinking about standing when he first got involved in the Count Me In campaign. But clearly the procedure could be tightened. For example, people taking part could have explicitly been asked if they plan to stand as a deputy and then the onus also placed on them to inform the election team at the earliest possible point if they do change their mind and decide to stand for election.
1: Yeah, if you're a candidate listening, uh, we'd be interested to know what you think. Uh, Remember, if you want to get in touch about anything election related, you can DM us at the Guernsey Daily on Twitter. You can WhatsApp us or uh, send an email to theguernseydaily at gmail.com. All the details on the pinned tweet at the top of our timeline. And next up is our guest, Dr Chris Pitch. We're very excited. He's been teasing us on Twitter with talk of a Guernsey political party matrix. So we had to get him
0: on to explain what that actually is. Chris, thanks for coming on. You're uh, a senior lecturer in marketing at Nottingham Trent University. And uh, according, I'm just looking at your Twitter bio as well, a uh, a political branding specialist.
2: I know, big, 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 um, big headed now, you know, kind of really putting that out there. <laughs> and
0: but the, interestingly, you, you studied Guernsey politics. Mm. So I'm guessing that that Sort of combination of Guernsey knowledge and political branding means you're in pretty high demand at the moment, aren't you?
2: At the moment, yeah, everyone wants a piece of uh, Doctor Pitch. You know, it's it's really good at the moment because um, for me, it's I've always been fascinated in political marketing and political branding, but and when I could combine it with my kind of um, my joy and my um, my interest in Guernsey because they had no political parties, that really kind of intrigued me back in 2016 when I first started on this kind of journey of different projects focusing on Guernsey. And then since then, it's kind of evolved and, and, and more kind of sub-projects have come out of it. So I didn't expect to be still working on this. And, you know, in four years, you know, it's been four years work and I'm still working on other projects um, linked to Guernsey's um, politics, really.
0: How much are you charging for your services?
2: Oh, I'll send you the invoice <laughs> through the post. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, for for me, it's it's I always start to like to take part in research that really fascinates me. I'm not one of these academics that just does it for you know for the sake of it. It has to really grab my attention. And for me, Guernsey, like I said, when in 2016 when I started looking at this, I was amazed how politics could actually function without political parties. But it it's only when I started scratching beneath the surface and, surface and started to interview deputies, I found out that there are obviously unofficial parties or alliances already, you know, within Guernsey as well. So it was really fascinating, and it was like a re- it was like a subculture that I uncovered as part of my um, initial study, which has just been accepted for the Journal of Political Marketing. You know, if anybody wants to read it, it's out there. Congratulations! <laughs> it's taken four years, <laughs> blood, sweat, and tears, but we got there in the end. <laughs> it must be,
1: uh, it must be quite an interesting development for you to see island-wide voting and the the sort of advent of parties which aren't parties. Given that your interest was sparked due to the fact that there were no political parties, and now there are these sort of pseudo parties coming up.
2: Yeah, and I think the thing is, these parties have bound you know, have come out of nowhere and um, it's really interesting because if you look on Twitter or, on, or social media, they, no, none of the political parties actually aren't the word parties. or part, you know, They don't like to be described as a party. So that makes it fascinating in itself. And for me, it was really interesting. How do you actually create and develop a, a party from scratch? And all the parties that, have, that are obviously contesting the election now, they, they seem to have come about, what, over six months ago and and they've established, you know, policies, they've got candidates, supporters, they've come out of nowhere. And that's what fascinates me how these um, entities, how they develop, how they start, how, where do they come from?
1: it's quite interesting though the parallel isn't it between the sort of UK political parties and these entities which are appearing in Guernsey because there's a massive chasm between what uh, you know how obvious it is uh, what you're voting for if you're going for one of the Guernsey political parties versus UK you know you're pretty you're pretty sure of what you're getting for if you're voting in the UK but even with the um, you know what's being offered what's being proposed by Guernsey's political parties it's still quite an array of um, different views still being hosted in one place
2: absolutely so it's interesting that there's only one political party that in guernsey that really explicitly puts forward it's its ideology so i think it's the guernsey party that um, identifies itself as a center-right political party and you know looking at the the policies they put forward well all the parties would you know all the policies they put forward it's really interesting because they are providing more detail compared to elections elections in the past so it was really interesting in the past in 2016 to 2000 where candidates put forward really vague um, issues or, or personal characteristics as part of their brands. And they couldn't really talk about policies because that wasn't part of the nature of Guernsey politics. And what we're seeing now, it's really interesting because you've got like a tale of two halves. You've got the new parties that are much more focused and provide more detail about what voters can expect on one hand. But then you've also got the traditional independent candidates who can't be as detailed. So all they can say is I'm um, hardworking, I'm trustworthy, I'm passionate, I'm reliable. Vote for me. Whereas political parties in Guernsey can actually be be a bit more specific and more focused. Um, So it is a tale of two halves at the moment for this election. That's really interesting.
0: Do you think given the 119 candidates such a big field, actually, people will become sort of bombarded with information and won't scrutinize things. And therefore, they might be more inclined to just look at the characteristics of people and think, ah, well, you know, that person's a nice guy. He's hardworking or he's been there before for four years. Do you think that might play into the the mix this year?
2: Yeah, well, it's always worked that way before, whereas all the candidates have put forward these kind of broad personal characteristics or values. You know, vote for me, I want good schools, or I want a varied economy. You know, these are really broad things, and this is how they've stood out in the past, pushing their personality, pushing their heritage and their their legacy, as you you could say. Whereas now, I think that um, the parties are obviously going to be pushing more specific policies, and this is why they're probably relying more on branding in this election as well, because when you've got 119 candidates you've got to think of standing out somewhere or another so this is where branding comes in and th- this is where you've got these nice plush websites and new social media platforms nice logos um, slogans all these things designed to simplify the decision making process of voters so just as you who you went to Sainsbury's or any other supermarket you could you know you'd look at all the chocolate bars on offer you could see if you'd go for a Cadbury dairy milk you know exactly what you uh, what you're going to get with that uh, with that chocolate bar and it'll help with the decision making process it kind of boils all that information down so so I think that the parties are going to do really well in this election and you
0: mentioned the Guernsey party there as well as being the yeah. one that sort of nailed their colours to the mast and said we are centre right mm. because they are sort of more distinctive in that way than the
2: other two parties. Do you mm. think
0: that um, you know, they sort of have an early advantage, perhaps?
2: They could do. They, obviously, they're appealing to, obviously, voters. But um, if you start to look at the other manifestos of the two other political parties, the, uh, the Guernsey Partnership, I started to look through their policies and compare and contrast on this matrix, which I mentioned the other day. And um, if I were, a, again, this is subjective, this is just my personal view, but if I were to say what was the UK equivalent, they were very much, their ideology would probably be centre-left, uh, very much of the new Labour, Tony Blair governments of uh, yesteryear, whereas the uh, the Alliance Party, I'd say, very similar, but maybe um, more Liberal Democrats kind of uh, stance, centre-left. Again, this is just what I've read and compared, you know, how I've compared the, the, the policies. And then the Guernsey Party itself, I would say it's like a David Cameron centre-right party, uh, the Conservatives of 2015. So, you can see You can make that comparison there just by looking at some of the policies i 've
0: done a slightly less scientific uh, look at the uh, Guernsey Party, and I was doubting their center right credentials and then I found out one of their candidates used to be a Conservative Party chairman and is called Tory, so that was enough for me
2: <laughs> exactly exactly you can, if we had more time we could we could break it down even more and, and you could you could then try and compare it against each candidate as well to see are they inconsistent in you know in terms of how they're standing and what they stand for but I think sometimes just doing this this simple comparison really helps you make sense of not only the parties but also what they stand for or what they what their envisaged identity is actually about.
1: Do you think the independents are gonna lose out in this election then do you think because of the fact that it is it's something new the political parties it's fresh do you think the independents are just going to miss a trick?
2: I don't know. I think if you look at some of the independent candidates out there, they're really pushing the fact they are independent and from my research from working with the deputies but also young voters, they all said that they do like the independent nature of politics in Guernsey, but they want more more um, detail in terms of policies. They want things to move faster in terms of policy development. They want things to be done faster and they want decisions to be made faster as well and And I think that you'll if you have some candidates that really push the independent can the the independent position and and that they are independent candidates as part of their their identity or part of their slogans, I think they'll do well. I think it's the ones that just rely on just their name, Joe Bloggs, who lives in St. Peterport. You know, unless they really push the the independent side, they won't do really well. So I think I think, yes, the the big parties will do well, uh, but you'll still see um, uh, an array of uh, independent candidates, just because you'll have a lot of voters who probably do like the status quo, and they don't want anything to do with political parties, because it's that dirty word again, the political parties are just seen as something um horrible and um it's a bit like lord von Voldemort. <laughs> we can't say we can't <laughs> say the name we can't say we're a party <laughs> i thought joe blogs was in the veil rob
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. bad bad joke <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> thank you hopefully rob's got a more serious question um, coming up <laughs>
0: no, no well i i just I, I, another kind of lead on from that really is We've probably already started to see one candidate, one independent candidate, Carl Meerveld, come out and kind of, I don't know, I suppose you could say start sort of slinging the mud at one of the parties and you see other independents sort of taking pot shots at the certainly the partnership of independence. Mm. You know, you know, that whole thing, oh, are they a party? Are they not a party? What are they? Mm. Do you think do you think that this is going to bring a different dimension to previous perhaps we might see more of that sort of confrontational style of, of politics that you have in the UK because of this change?
2: Absolutely, because in the past, again, I mean, this relates back to my research from 2016-17, in, in Guernsey, it there's very little um, tension between candidates. It was a very polite way of uh, of doing politics on Guernsey during previous elections. Um, I was always fascinated to hear that some candidates used to campaign with their rivals together and door knocking and having cups of tea and cake. And, you know, with your competitor, you'd never see a conservative in a Lib Dem <laughs> doing that in, in the UK. Whereas, I've, yeah, I've noticed today just on, on Twitter that there's so many of the candidates are kind of firing kind of um, tweets out, which are quite ooh, controversial and a bit like, uh, I'm not saying confrontational, but you can see there's an underlying issue there, a bit of tension. And that's I've not seen that before. So that, I think that's going to be st- slowly creeping in. And, this, and uh, the closer you get to the actual election, I think that people really start to have a bit of uh, uh, fire in their tweets, even more than we've seen so far.
0: And what do you think of uh, the way that uh, sort of developing that a bit further? For example, hustings, which, which are going to change with this election because of the number of candidates. But previously, you know, every candidate asked the same question, given two minutes to answer. Never a sort of open sort of debate where people can come back and challenge each other on their views that you see. Do you think Guernsey misses a trick by not having anything like that?
2: Absolutely, because if not, they all start saying the same. And if you've got 119 candidates saying the same thing, that I want a good school and I want a strong economy, you've really got to think about how you're going to stand out from your competitors, how are you going to cut through the noise. And, you know, many of these candidates could learn so much from um, conventional branding, you know, whether it's selling a, a chocolate bar or a bar of soap, you've got to think about cutting through the, the noise. And what
1: advice would you give to people to break the mould then, to experiment and do
2: something different? I think just, you know, we don't have to kind of reinvent the wheel, but I think there was a candidate a few years in 2016 that started to hold like street hustings or like stalls with balloons and banners. And that really caught the imagination. Some deputies didn't like it when I interviewed them. They said it was a bit pretentious. Some of them loved it and said, do you know what? It's cutting through the fog, cutting through the noise. I think sometimes just doing something like that, whether it's pop-up stalls or pop-up events, you know, you could do challenge yourself and try and knock on as many doors as possible, and try and make it as a, quite competitive that way, or, or have as many steps across the island. You know, <laughs> so I think it's just sometimes thinking about something just simple, but that hasn't been done before. So I'm not saying that they have to have a huge uh, event or some sort of hot air balloon
1: yeah. with a big banner. <laughs> kind of screaming through the sky, something like that. Absolutely.
2: Water skiing, you know, and that kind of thing with all the kind of policies on a t-shirt as you, uh, as you go along the, uh, the bay, it's nothing like that. Well, actually that'd be quite cool. Actually, I'd definitely uh, watch that and uh, take notice of that. But, um, I think branded mugs, I like <laughs> branded, the mugs. branded mugs. I remember yeah. going to um, party conferences in the UK in the past. They would obviously uh, ba- uh, have par- uh, branded mugs, but sometimes have uh, branded beers handed out. Or you know, I think uh, in the Conservative uh, Party conference, they had um, Gordon Brown bottled it beer. And when he bottled <laughs> the uh, the election of uh, twenty ten, was it twenty ten or yeah, just before then? So I think yeah, even little things like that, or just doing something different, you know, and it. And it doesn't have to be. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Just do th- do something to stand out. Uh,
0: the, the one thing I wanted to know, really as well, was was as someone who studied the political system, what was your what was your reaction when the referendum result did narrowly come down in favour of full island-wide system? What what was going through your head when when you read that news?
2: Well, uh, I was really surprised because from my research. Um, many of, like I said, the voters and the deputies, the majority of them liked the status quo in the sense of they liked uh, the independent nature of, of Guernsey, and they didn't want traditional political parties like you see in the UK and the, uh, the US. But at the same time, voters and deputies were saying that they wanted more detail. And so you could see, well, maybe, you know, if 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 that's the case, political parties could be formed, or alliances could be formed. And yeah, I was just really surprised the way it went there, but um, but at the end, it's, it seems to be the case that voters, like you say, are getting more detail that you know it's something they've asked for. They wanted more uh, specific um, information about policies or agendas or issues. Um, deputies want change as well. They want speeding up their decision making. They want to make it easier for voters to understand what they stand for. So, but it's interesting because. This may be the election, because obviously we don't know how it's going to go. It could be an election like, a is it going to be a referendum on political parties? We might see on the beginning of October that everyone stays away from these political parties and just sticks with the um, the status quo and the independent candidates. It'll be really interesting. So then it would be seen as an independ- a referendum on political parties in Guernsey.
0: And w- one final question from me, uh, Dr Pitch, is about... The partnership of independence and as you're a, you're sort of a, a specialist in in political branding and marketing i wanted to get your take on uh their launch so they launched at a press um, conference that was at one o'clock uh at beausjour in the same hall with the same uh, certainly two people deputy gavin st pierre mm-hmm. and heidi soulsby that were at the same time, at the same place, doing the press conferences dealing with Guernsey's coronavirus, how it dealt with that sort of over the, the, the months before. And to me, the symbolism was quite obvious. I wondered if you'd pick that up or if you, what you make of that.
2: Yeah, well, just like branding or political branding, it's all about symbolism. It's all about uh, creating a certain position in the minds of voters. And obviously, they wanted to be seen as um, or, um, as strong, as, as leaders, as um, to demonstrate part of their track record about that they could be trusted. And you know they had a very professional um, launch, and obviously throughout the day, then they were trying to drip feeding um, candidates as well. So I think they're using their their expertise, and it goes back to what we said before about that they're using their track record and their presence as part of their brands um, going forward in this election as well. So. And because they're so prominent you know it, that's why that you could see them all three of the kind of key candidates the the um, at the forefront of the uh, the launch and obviously behind them they had the other candidates as well so it's all about positioning it's all about even just thinking in the name the Guernsey the Guernsey partnership of independence you know it's it's all about creating saying yes we're all independent but we are united as a, as a party as well so it's, it must have taken some time to even think about everything from the name the color of their banners and and a part of their just kind of stick retreat. with green everyone's doing green yes and play it safe with guernsey green i say. Guernsey yeah. green. I think in the past just thinking back to when i did my research in 2016 some of the uh, the deputies at the time they they used a host of different colors because they didn't want to be accused like i've said of, a, of being a tory or being a labor in disguise so they thought if they use a multiple colors within their manifestos nobody could say that they are one way or the other they were kind of like they're a rainbow of uh, <laughs> politics <laughs>
1: um <laughs> and, and just finally for me, um have you got any unanswered questions that so far that your research hasn't been able to unearth that you just kind of burning to ask the candidates and the states absolutely so
2: yeah i think six kind of key questions have come to my mind since kind of preparing for just chatting to you guys today and also kind of um, thinking about the the election i think the first thing is you know are the parties alliances are they here to stay will they be here in a year's time or by the next election will we see more political parties Um, that's the first thing but the second kind of big question is depending on I suppose, the makeup of the states, you know, following the election election day, um, which deputies or political parties would you be willing to work with or not work with? And that'll be really telling. So asking candidates that, who would you work with and who wouldn't you work with, may be really interesting. And that may even help people or voters decide on who to vote for. The third thing that has come to mind is kind of hindsight. Do any deputies independent deputies regret not standing in a party. Um, I've been looking online today and uh, there's been a bit of discussion about whether candidates uh, missed the boat in joining parties. That's really interesting. Also, you know, is this, like I've said before, is this an election, a, a, like a referendum on political parties? And I suppose fifth, I'd say, you know, how did, I'd, I'd want to ask each party, how did each party actually develop its policies? They say that they, they asked their members, but how much thought and how much um, research went into them? Did they ask voters on the street? Did they actually go out there and canvass voters across the island to say, "What's what do you want to see from a, a, a political party?" And that'd be interesting to know. And finally, is it unfair? You know, these parties—is it unfair? Is it like an unfair advantage because obviously parties can be more specific in terms of policies, whereas independent ca- candidates can't be as as focused so you know these kind of six broad questions <laughs> i know uh, you know it's a lot of waffle but you might think well it'd be really interesting to put to some of the candidates um and even maybe some of the voters if you get any voters on as well dr chris pitch thanks so much for your time cheers thank you
1: next up we're bringing you an interview sort of um with a twitter account Kind of, called Donkey Edits. I say it's a Twitter account because uh, we don't actually know who this person is. So he, she, they, a bit of an unknown. Um, Rob, what can you tell us about Donkey Edits?
0: I think it's definitely a he. Don't tell me why, but for some reason, I think it's a bloke. (laughs) Uh, Donkey Edits is someone who appeared, I think I'm right in saying around the time of the last election, and basically mixed Uh, tracks with music and often quotes from local politicians, a lot of them appearing on BBC Radio Guernsey, where we used to work. And um, it's pretty funny, I think, or she's pretty funny. Uh, So we thought, who is this person? And why do they do what they do? Would they be willing to answer some questions from us? We wanted an interview. Fortunately, Donkey Edits wasn't playing ball, wouldn't do a full interview, worried about their anonymity, obviously, I reckon. Uh, but we did put some questions to them.
1: Yeah. And for extra anonymity, just to protect Donkey Edits further, I'm going to voice up the answers to your questions. And not only that, to make it even more anonymous, I'm going to mask my voice so you don't know who I am. <laughs> Super That, that anonymous. works, right?
0: Yeah, uh, I, think so. I think we've got it covered
3: there. Um, Great. Great. Let's do that then
0: okay first question for donkey edits stroke ollie stroke anonymous person
3: who are you i'm donkey edits who are you why are you asking me questions i don't know anything honest i want my advocate and can you please at least take the bag off my head so i can see you <laughs> uh so
0: donkey edits uh, no bag why do you do what you do
3: It's something that seemed like a good idea in the run-up to the last election. Elections can be both very serious and ridiculous in equal measure. Most people and the media concentrate on the serious side, so I took the opposite angle. Sometimes it's been a way to make a point with humour rather than being just another person hitting a keyboard and arguing on the internet. It's also been a good excuse for a gently antagonistic Twitter account.
0: And how much work is involved?
3: If it's a good idea and the source material is suitably daft or mockable, they come together quite quickly, mostly around an hour maybe. The only exception to that were the two edits I did early on the last election with uh, all the candidates from various election districts. They took a while to complete. I seem to remember ending up with a spreadsheet for one of them just to keep track of all the candidates that had uh, said common sense. I actually haven't made that many edits, but uh, with transport and education being such long-running issues, it probably seems like I've done more. Having said all that, if I decided to brave video content, the work will increase a lot.
0: And why do you do it anonymously?
3: I think it gives me more freedom to do exactly what I want.
0: And do you ever worry that people will figure out who you are?
3: Not really. I like to think both the audio and my tweets are done in good humour and with no one person particularly targeted, so it wouldn't really matter if there was some grand announcement and identity reveal. Uh, Same as my Twitter account, it's a combination of facts, not that much of my own opinion, and asking questions. Some daft, some real. None of that should upset people. As far as I know, I'm not blocked by anyone, and a lot of our current deputies follow me, so I assume they don't find my nonsense too upsetting. I don't think I'm using anonymity to troll belittle attack libel or lie etc and because of that most people seem happy enough to interact with me
0: and what can you tell us about you that doesn't give away who you are
3: i like eating wine gums
0: (laughs) and do you think it's something you could actually do if you weren't anonymous
3: i could definitely still eat wine gums if people knew who i was say i might even get gifted some free ones from fans do you think i could run a successful crowdfunding campaign to raise money for more (laughs)
0: And what sort of reaction do you get to your tracks?
3: It never seems like a great deal at the time, but in looking back through old messages on Twitter just now, there seems to be more from deputies than I'd remembered. I wonder if I'll start getting some messages from, uh, from the party accounts now. The most listened to track so far isn't really political, of course. It's the one about new yellow lines painted in Alderney being worse than custard. Uh, nearly 2,000 people have listened to that. On the other hand, at the moment, less than 50 have listened to my 38 Problems one, and I thought that was one of my better ideas.
0: And has anyone ever taken issue with what you do, and, and why have they taken issue with it?
3: Well, apart from copyright issues on SoundCloud, no one that I know of. Certainly, I've seen deputies share edits that include them, so assume people see the attention as a compliment. Also, uh, had a couple of people request I make ones about them, One of the things that takes the longest for an edit is removing all the ums, uhs, sighs, deep breaths, repeated garbled sentence fragments and stutters and, ironically, other stuff that makes no sense. Uh, All that is from both interviewers and candidates slash deputies. I have to clean up the words to make sense first, to then make them more ridiculous. Uh, What an amazing hobby to have. So after all that, maybe people tolerate me because I make them sound more coherent. You're
0: obviously uh, politically engaged. How do you think Guernsey's first island-wide election will go?
3: Engaged? Did Did you mean enraged? Uh, Personally, I think it's all been a farce, the way the referendum was done to the introduction of parties, groups, organisations or whatever they were pretending to be, some which have already fallen by the wayside, of course. And look where we are now with arguments bouncing around about the guidance booklet and actual election law not agreeing. This will lead to inevitable complaints and cries of unfair due any day now I hear. But in the long run, most things work out so everyone will make the best of it once the dust is settled, I'm sure. There will be the odd surprise, as there always is with elections, but I think island wide voting won't make much difference at all to what the state looks and acts like for the next term. I fear some of those that wanted island wide voting will be initially surprised and then quickly disappointed in the result. I've already seen some of those that shouted loudest for it suddenly working out the playing field is now more stacked against newcomers than it was before.
0: And how are you personally feeling about voting?
3: It doesn't change much. Civil servants run the island, don't they? (laughs) And what can we expect from you in the coming weeks? I'm really looking forward to all the official candidate videos.
0: And are there any candidates in your creative crosshairs?
3: I don't single people out, in theory anyway. I'm sure some candidates will do their best to stand out for all the wrong reasons, as, as always, though.
0: And recently you tweeted... Tongue in cheek, that you were thinking about offering your services to candidates to make radio ads for them. Uh, what would those ads sound like?
3: It wasn't tongue in cheek. To stand out a slightly off the wall advert on the radio wouldn't be the worst thing to do for some of the candidates. When so many standing will be saying and doing the same thing, come on, who, who wants to give it a try? I'll make you sound good. And that was Donkey Edits. Thank you.
1: Yeah, massive thank you to Donkey Edits slash me uh, slash the anonymous person who, who just uh, read out all those
0: answers. I'm a bit disappointed they didn't do an interview though. I I you know, they're obviously not that worried about their anonymity, but hey ho.
1: Well, we uh may still have time to convince them otherwise. Maybe later in the show we can uh you know eke out an interview with donkey edits but there's still plenty of other stuff that we can cover uh, over the course of the next well 20 days we've got a lot of episodes coming here on the guernsey daily and this is just the first we're going to be meeting 18 candidates in the run-up to the election
0: yeah, and we we'll have plenty more. We're going to be looking into different aspects of the election. We're going to be obviously scouring the manifestos. We're going to be playing some manifesto bingo, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm going to be putting you through your paces, Ollie, testing your uh, knowledge think of that's unfair (laughs)
1: because you know i know nothing
0: (laughs) your knowledge of candidates um yeah we're we're really hoping that you'll get involved in the show as well there are so many ways you can get in touch with us if you go to the pin tweet at the top of our twitter feed you can find out the different ways um we're kind of relying on you to tell us what you see if you're a candidate if you're out on the trail we want to hear from you as well Um, but yeah that was it that was our first episode of the guernsey daily i hope you enjoyed it And not only
1: are we going to have candidate interviews and episodes like that coming out, we're also going to have uh, two-minute manifestos from all of the candidates who respond to our query. Uh, We're going to be running those in small bite-sized chunks so that you can uh, essentially listen to the manifestos if you can't be bothered to flick through the paper ones. Until next time, goodbye.
0: Cheers, bye.